It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everybody? We are live with the Osmo Week 7, the Start, Sit, Show. All of your questions, we have answers. I am Matt Gajeski on Twitter, at Matt underscore Gajeski. I am here with Kyle Dvorak on Twitter, at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo Fantasy. And before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this and all other Osmo content goes live. Kyle, the news is flowing. We are we are live on the stream right now. Joe Mixon out. Looks like John Ross also out. That came directly from the chat. Give me your instant reactions. Like it's coming fast and they keep coming too. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of Giovanni Bernard. Only interesting thing would be how they choose to play their backup situations because Gio, although like they do, the team really does seem to like him because every offseason it's like, is this the time they finally cut Gio? Because his contract is always like, higher than you had ever expected to be. And the team just never even thinks about it. Every beat reporter is like, we could see the end of Geo, And they just love to get him on the field. And even the first three weeks, he was getting reps, especially as a pass catcher, over Joe Mixon. Now that flipped, that script flipped a little bit in the past two weeks, but we should still see a lot of Geo. I'd be interested in like, I don't know, like deep dynasty leagues picking up Travion Williams, but it should be a lot of Geo right now. For sure. You know, our initial plan was to talk a little bit about the Thursday night game, but I need to get your takes not only on Mixon. So I do agree that Giovanni Bernard is probably just going to handle, I don't know, 85% of the work. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. We could see, I think the thing is, no matter how much, if it's a 50-50 split, a 60-40, a 70-80 split as a runner, he should get every single target out of the backfield. And this team loves to throw the football. So the more important work that he's going to get will be as a pass catcher. And I don't see Travion Williams or anyone else taking any work away from him there. So whether he gets, I don't know, 8, 15 carries, frankly, I don't really care because I think you can reasonably project him for five, six, seven, eight targets potentially. Yeah, so this is the start-sit show. And let's talk about some players that we're probably starting now, Giovanni or, uh, Giovanni Bernard above. And I think there's a lot of, I don't know, Giovanni Bernard immediately slots in as one of the running backs. I prefer, I think he's probably a back-end RB1. But just looking at, you know, who you might be considering benching for Giovanni Bernard, that, I think that's a tough situation to call. Like, I'm certainly benching someone like Devin Singletary, like these backs that are in timeshares. I think he's a back-end RB1. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would put him on that fringe of RB1, RB2, because at the end of the day, volume yeah. is what we chase. And he like, should he should project to get a ton of volume. Like, better than Antonio Gibson, better than, than Devin Singletary, better than David Montgomery. That's kind of the tier I view him above. Better yep. than David would Johnson. You have him better, would you have him better than, I assume, both of, both of the Chargers backs as well? Yes, based yeah. on pure volume. Better than both Chargers backs, so yeah immediate starter so we're, we're coming out of the gates hot here Let, let's circle back to Thursday night football just for a little bit I do think there are some takeaways we saw Devontae Freeman get injured and I thought it was interesting that Wayne Gallman handled a lot of the work there and I think Wayne Gallman would be the guy to pick up moving forward and starting Deshaun Jackson the guy can't stay healthy got hurt again and Daniel Jones like what in the world Daniel Jones what, what did you make of the Thursday night game <laughs> Daniel Jones is still, I mean, still an incredible runner, albeit with, um, man, yeah, I, someone, uh, someone with the Roto World headline was Giants, Daniel Jones fall and lost to 
Eagles. Ah, Daniel Jones, what are you doing? I think that might have that wouldn't have quite, but it almost would have gotten to the hundred yard bonus as well, which for uh, for a showdown players would have been nice. So I don't know. He's exactly what we thought he is. He's a, he's a, a run first, or at least in terms of fantasy, he's a guy who you only rely on as runner. He's not going to be an avid touchdown producer, but I don't know. He's like a QB two, QB one fringe because he does offer you. That's back to back weeks with over seventy rushing yards, I believe. And on the Eagles side, I think Carson Wentz is early start to the season was maybe a bit worse than should have been expected. Now he's playing maybe better than expected, maybe exactly as expected. And it's so hard to get a read on what to expect from him because they have had zero offensive line continuity. And because of that, it also means that they've had no offensive line talent. Same thing can be said for their receiving core. So it's weird. There's just, it's not a good sample to take away anything for Carson Wentz. I do think we can say Daniel Jones probably should be on the outs by the end of the year. Agreed. Um, Let's get right into this. So as we dive into the meat and potatoes of the show, it is primarily your questions. So whatever questions you have, throw those into the chat. Kyle and I will get into them. We'll talk about some topical stuff similar to what we just did with Giovanni Bernard as we just fill some of the gaps. The first question rolling in, we have three options. We need to pick the top two. It's at the running back position. It is Devin Singletary, DeAndre Swift, or Justin Jackson. So my favorite thing to do in these situations is, you know, pick my favorite and then narrow this to a 1v1 decision. Justin Jackson's the guy I think you're starting first and foremost. And then between Singletary and Swift, I'm going to give a slight lean to Singletary because he's in a two-man backfield rather than a three, and he's also facing the Jets. What's your take on this? Yeah, I agree. So we do have to – I think Justin Jackson popped up on the injury report earlier this week. It didn't seem serious. I don't expect it to even limit him very much, but – Worth noting, check that out before you enter the Sunday main slate, or I guess it's not really a main slate, but, uh, you know, the Sunday the Sunday matchups or whatever you want to call them for your season-long leagues. Worth noting, but yes, assuming he plays, he is the guy who I take out of this crew. I kind of – so I've been torn on what to do with Devin Singletary because I don't have a lot of faith in him as a talent. I don't have a lot of faith in his ability to set himself apart from Zach Moss. Maybe that's the more thing is why – do I think he has a good chance to dominate this backfield? Quite unlikely. Do I think that happens with DeAndre Swift either? Probably not, but I do think DeAndre Swift offers more as a pass catcher. On the other hand, being up 30 against the Jets is going to be a great scenario for Devin Singletary to get a lot of carries. So I give the slightest of leans to, I think, Devin Singletary. Those two are very close for me, though. Yeah, the DeAndre Swift breakout game featured a route on 28% of dropbacks, and he was on the field for 39% of run plays. Conversely, if we compare that to Adrian Peterson, 22% of routes, 47% of runs. on Johnson, 28% of routes, 13% of runs. Now, could this move towards DeAndre Swift throughout the season? Yes, it certainly could, and it should if we are assuming rational coaching, which we shouldn't. But either way, there's still going to be some form of a share. If we're going to take a running back in a timeshare and the options are DeAndre Swift and Devin Singletary, I'm just going to take the guy facing the Jets. and I, <laughs> that's, that's a good rule of thumb. It's been a rinse and repeat situation for me. All right, so probably more, this is a quote, probably more dependent once injury news comes out, ESPN League non-PPR for my last wide receiver spots. John Brown, Michael Gallup, Marvin Jones Jr. or Watkins. I, it looks like we won't see Watkins, so I'm going to yeah. put him out of this immediately. Man, this is a tough one. Marvin Jones, John Brown, Gallup. I do not believe John Brown is healthy. I know he turned in a no. limited practice, but he looked very banged up when he was on the field on Monday night. And it's funny, this is another short week technically for John Brown. Michael Gallup, Marvin Jones Jr., obviously the QB downgrade with Gallup. I think Marvin Jones is probably the most secure as far as just like a target share goes in this Detroit offense. And I don't feel great about it. And he hasn't turned in a single good game yet. I'm going to tentatively say Marvin Jones Jr. What's your lean between John Brown, Gallup, Marvin Jones, and Sammy Watkins, assuming he would he were to play? Yeah, I don't think we'll be, see, say, be seeing Sammy Watkins, and it could be a scenario like we saw with John Brown where he just comes back and is just not the same Sammy Watkins that we knew in the sense of he just cannot physically play. We saw that in some sense with John Brown, and I believe Sean McDermott, like right after the game, came out and said, yeah, he was less than 100%. That's probably why he went 0-4 on his four targets. Until we see John Brown come out and play at 100%, I'm fine with like being one week late on him in terms of my start-sit decision. So I'm going to rule him out right away. Uh, man, Marvin Jones versus Michael Gallup. I think it's I end tough. up fine with Michael. So it's tough because one, like, one is a probably a number three receiver in terms of the overall targets on his team. 
His team's going to throw more maybe, but the targets are worse. Marvin Jones hasn't done anything, but he's still on the field for, I know up to last week, it was 100% of the dropbacks for Matthew Stafford. I'm going to give my lean to Michael Gallup. Sorry to, sorry to split the listener. You have to, we've ruled out two for you very confidently. I guess you have to choose which one of us you like more. I'm going to go with Michael Gallup. I still think this offense is going to pass a lot. Whether those passes are good seems quite unlikely, but they're going to probably pass a lot. I don't think maybe Andy Dalton is as bad as we saw last night. I still don't think he's good last night. Whenever the last time we saw him was, I still don't think he's very good, but he performs so incredibly poorly that uh, I think maybe a slight positive regression could come for this offense compared to that game. I guess I'll go with Michael Gallup here. We're splitting hairs. I, I don't hate your decision whatsoever. Yeah. We have, okay, three three and three teams. Should I start Chase Edmonds, Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, or, okay, it looks like this person is Giovanni Bernard available on the waiver wire. So out yes. of, if you're including yep. Giovanni Bernard, start Giovanni Bernard. He qualifies it. it by saying he already has T. Higgins in his lineup. I don't think that makes a big a big situation to like get up in arms over. I think you just take the volume and you start it. Do you have any qualms with the Geo decision if they're nope. already a T. Higgins owner? You take yeah, even if you're a T. Higgins owner, you take the volume and you run with it because one, we don't even know if we're gonna like see Le'Veon Bell active. Who else is there? Like Adrian Peterson, who probably is just good for like two targets and 14 carries or whatever. I like Unless he happens to punch in a goal line touchdown, you're probably looking at like eight points or something. And I don't even remember who else there was. I'm definitely Chase Edmonds, who's just like the opposite of that. Unless he catches a red zone reception for a touchdown, you're probably looking at four catches and four carries. So you're getting so, so much more volume Giovanni Bernard. And I, I don't mind whatever correlation you could drum up with T. Higgins versus Giovanni Bernard, negative or positive, if you want to spin it that way. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much worry there, especially because the volume is so good. I know it's not the greatest spot, against Cleveland, but it's still a pretty decent situation. I think the target, I mean, you're just getting so much volume and the running back position is so barren that you already have a decent leg up on your league mates. Maybe you're even playing someone that has Joe Mixon. So hopefully that works out in your favor. One more Christian Kirk or Mike Williams. I think this is still a pretty easy decision for me. Christian Kirk literally ran as hot as you possibly could for a receiver. (laughs) Like, am I wrong on this, Kyle? Yeah, it was, was it three targets or did he only catch two of two targets? One of which was the bomb for like an 80 yard touchdown. And the other one was the, he got two of three targets, two of three. So yeah, on his three targets, he catches an 80 yard bomb. And the other one was the, uh, like the forward, like shovel pass or whatever you want to call it, the, the end shovel pass where he comes around. What are the odds of him ever scoring like two touchdowns in a game again this season, let alone when he's not getting a ton of targets? And we saw Andy Isabella come out and play that deep threat role. Oh, my God. My air yards dollars were going insane after he couldn't connect on two deep bombs. But I do still think we're going to see Christian Kirk just operate as this ancillary piece, uh, asteroid orbiting it around DeAndre Hopkins, whereas Mike Williams could actually be one of the primary reads for Justin Herbert. So absolutely Mike Williams. All right, so every show me and Kyle do, especially this week, you're going to get the Chargers spiel. So if you're a Justin <laughs> Jackson owner, you're a Joshua Kelly owner, you and any of these ancillary Chargers players, here it is. So not only are they facing Jacksonville, Jacksonville is first in yards per attempt allowed to opposing signal callers, but they're allowing 4.6 yards per carry. That's 11th to opposing rushers. Now we get a Chargers team running fourth in plays per game. They're 11th in seconds per play. And we have an incredibly efficient Justin Herbert throwing the ball. He is number three in yards per pass attempt. If we dive down into the individual players, Keenan Allen is number three in target share, despite missing all but a couple drives in the most recent game they played. Mike Williams went healthy. If we look to his first game, nine targets, his most recent game, eight targets, banged up in between there. That's a really healthy target share for a number two receiver and one that's often available on waiver wires. And if he's on your bench, he's in a really good spot this week. If you have Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson, I think both are maybe RB two flexes and you're starting them. I think over the likes of guys like chase Edmonds, you know, players in that range. And I think they're pretty confident starts over some back end RB twos and some bad spots. I, I would probably go as far to say as Justin Jackson is a better start than Antonio Gibson this week. So that's my chargers spiel. Anything different, Kyle, Basically, all I'm saying to your specific question there, Chris, is Mike Williams is a smash play. Yeah, Mike Williams is a smash play. I saw someone earlier in the chat. uh, Yeah, I'll I'll tie this in because I think this is another thing that vaguely applies. David Johnson, James Robinson, and Keenan Allen, or CEH and 
Miles Gaskin as a as a trade proposal. I would not. One, I think David Johnson and James Robinson say whatever you want about their talented one of them. David Johnson probably doesn't have a ton of it left. James Robinson maybe does. They're both getting a ton of work. Like they're both getting as much, if not more, work than Miles Gaskin. The only thing is you have two of them versus Gaskin as one, then CH for Keenan Allen. I do love CH, but Keenan Allen had a stretch of 40 targets in three games. Only reason he didn't keep that up was likely because of the back spasms that basically kept him out of all of what we saw two weeks ago. Another great Chargers player. You just want to keep hammering these Chargers, not only this week, but probably into perpetuity because like they're gonna face they're gonna face Kansas City again. That should be a barn burner with Justin Herbert actually having like practices under his belt. Anytime they face any good offense, we can expect the Chargers to just go ham. And even if they don't, they're still a very good offense under Justin Herbert. So hang on to all of your Chargers right now and start them. Agreed. Alfred, I, I apologize, my friend. I accidentally skipped past your question. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Question. So, Kyle, thank you for having my back and catching that one for me. Another one from Andy. Chase Claypool or Giovanni Bernard? Non-PPR flex. I think you got to go with the volume in Giovanni Bernard. If you want to, Claypool's a fantastic start too. If you want to poke holes in him, Deontay Johnson's expected back this week. Maybe that shakes up the receiver room and Deontay's the one, Claypool's the two, and the target volume's just not as secure. The secure volume for Giovanni Bernard will be there. Qualms? No, I agree. Especially it was non-PPR, right? I think at that point, uh, you could say Chase Claypool gets like four carries a game or whatever, but realistically, no, you're just in a in a non-PPR league specifically. You are absolutely in need of a Claypool touchdown, which I don't think like you could absolutely just get the yardage both as a receiver and as a runner from Giovanni Bernard. So yeah, go with the volume. I feel like that's going to be our answer for almost every Giovanni Bernard question. The guy is going to get way more volume than you should be able to regularly find off of free agency or the waiver wire. Just roll with that. Agreed. Agreed. I, unless you're making a really tough decision, like I, I don't even know, you'd have to have a really star stack team not to start Giovanni Bernard this weekend. Well, and speak of the devil, our very own producer, Jordan, it looks like he's in a tough situation. Giovanni Bernard versus OBJ in the flex. For me, it's Giovanni Bernard. There's a lot of fragility with Odell Beckham. We know exactly what Cleveland wants to do. They want to run and they should be able to do that this week against Cincinnati. OBJ is a fantastic target share, but Correct me if I'm wrong. We've only seen him in double-digit targets once this year. Yeah, the first game of the year, his only game with 10 targets. Unless he gets Jarvis Landry, you know, to throw him some touchdowns, I don't know if we see a ceiling game out of OBJ. So I'm going Giovanni Bernard there. Yeah, the Browns are the second most run-heavy team in the NFL behind only the Baltimore Ravens, one of only two teams, those two teams specifically, running more run plays than they run pass plays and it's not like like the chargers i think run a lot of run plays but they play at super high pace like the browns are just content with when they have nick chubb riding him into the ground when they have kareem hunt riding him into the ground they just simply don't throw the ball enough and when they do it's been spottily efficient at best it's been sporadically efficient because because baker mayfield has been so incredibly disappointing my heart hurts for baker mayfield because i was so excited for him but we have to adjust with this new information that he's probably just a fringe starting level player at this point on the volume we're seeing it's just not enough for Odell Beckham so Gio again agreed it's the simple answer to most of these questions so far seems to be Gio again guys keep throwing the questions into the chat Kyle and I will we'll get to them all and hit that thumbs up button while you're at it it is the best way to support the channel and thank you if you've already done so I know this is a, a start sit show mostly regarding seasonal fantasy but for DFS, you can get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all of the premium content and tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. Only looking to play NFL? Then sign up now for a weekly NFL package for only $14.95 or give our NFL Express Weekly Pass a shot for only $3.95. We also have a special running right now for Champions League Soccer in case you're missing that middle-of-the-day DFS action. 
Champions League is here and large prize pools are up for grabs on DraftKings and FanDuel. Get access to a week's worth of our Osmo Plus soccer projections for only $2 when you use promo code Champions League. That's less than 30 cents per day to give our soccer projections a shot for the first week. Start winning, stop guessing, join Osmo Plus today. Looking back at our chat, a really interesting one just came through. And I think these are two backs I would you know, sit for Giovanni Bernard. But if I was deciding between them, Antonio Gibson or David Johnson, I think the answer for me is still going to be David Johnson. You guys can probably guess there's a common trend for me when I'm making my fantasy start sit decisions that I'm leaning heavily on volume. And David Johnson averaging 17.8 touches per game. I know the matchup. It is what it is. The Packers defense hasn't been great. The Texans come in as underdogs here. If you want to play the matchup game, they're allowing the 10th most yards per carry. This is the Packers, that is. It's still going to be Johnson for me. I don't feel great about it, but I think he'd be the way I would go. What do you think between Antonio Gibson, David Johnson? It's a PPR league if that changes anything for you. Yeah, Antonio Gibson is just giving up too much work to J.D. McKissick. And Peyton Barber actually came into the fold last week too, just a little bit, but he's he's just not the bell cow back that David Johnson is. And I would say if we're talking about running back talent, which I think is largely fungible, but if we're going to make a call, I would say Antonio Gibson, probably more talented. That tells you what I think about volume. Volume is so much more important than running back talent. David Johnson is simply getting the volume. He's like number two in the NFL in routes among running backs. At least he's number one, I believe, in route participation, meaning on the percentage of Deshaun Watson's dropbacks. No player runs more routes on the percentage of their quarterback's dropbacks than David Johnson. He's simply a three-down back. We're seeing very little of Duke Johnson. And like you said, the matchup isn't anything to be afraid of. I get that they're underdogs, but they're also still a very lively team total. This is a game that should feature a ton of points, and you can never say that about any Washington game. So David Johnson, pretty cleanly for me. Every week that goes by, I get a little less and less excited about Antonio Gibson from a fantasy perspective, only because they haven't used him. I still think he's a great talent, but I got to get them touches, man, and and he's not doing it for me. I agree with you. I think we have a really hot one here. Chase Claypool versus Debo Samuel. I think the Chase Claypool projection is a little volatile for a number of reasons. This Pittsburgh team has had a lot of different receivers lead the team in targets on a weekly basis. And just last week, Chase Claypool only had four targets. Now, they weren't exactly throwing the ball a ton last week, like Juju Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster, four targets. Eric Ebron, four targets. Still, we have Deontay Johnson returning to the fold. And we look to San Francisco. Conversely, they're not a team that has a lot of options in the past game. They basically have Debo and they have George Kittle. And Debo has seen a large share of the targets since his return from injury. If you want to exclude that first game back, where only played about 30% of the snaps, or I should say ran around in 30% of the dropbacks or so, the target share has risen even further. So it's going to tentatively be Debo for me. Do you have a different decision between this, this tough choice, Chase Claypool versus Debo Samuel? Yeah, I guess I will give, I'll agree with you that like at the end of the day, we do want targets and Jimmy Garoppolo is probably not as bad as he looked two weeks ago. It was just an absolute, uh, man, that was rough. Much better now. Uh, I think probably a bit of regression for him just coming back to being probably a league average passer. I agree that you can't really bank on these rushing touchdowns from Chase Claypool. You have to look at the targets. I believe James Washington now targeted him last week. And it's probably maybe a one-week thing, but now we have Deontay Johnson back in the fold. There's just none of that uncertainty with Debo Samuel. Seven targets per game in the past two games, because I do think he can probably just throw out his first game to return. He played on, like you said, it was just about a third of the team's total snaps. Didn't get a ton of run. Brandon Ayuk still worked over him. That has not been the case in the past two weeks. He's still their number one wide receiver. And anytime I can get a number one wide receiver on an efficient, maybe not the most volume heavy, but an efficient offense, I'm going to take him over Chase Claypool, whose upside is definitely being the number one wide receiver. But we saw a ton of volume for Deontay Johnson in weeks one and two. It was 13 and 10 targets. He had like a 34% target share and a 37% air yard share. He was the true number one receiver of this team. I still like Claypool, but there's just uncertainty surrounding Claypool that we don't have around Debo. So I'm going to continue to rock with Debo, but it's probably a good problem to have yourself looking at. Yeah, it's a good problem, I think, for sure. That's actually, he qualified it saying he's uh, not having the greatest year in Dynasty. I think that's actually a decent decision to make. The next one we have, PBR, we need one of Marvin Jones, Julian Edelman, or Michael Gallup also says Tim Patrick's available on waivers. I'm probably not picking up Tim Patrick. For me, this is still going to be Julian Edelman. I know he's been disappointing. This New England offense hasn't thrown the ball much to start the year. And 
the total here against San Francisco is not great. New England is favored in this game, but he's the alpha target leader on this team when they're in pass heavy approaches. Marvin Jones, he's second, maybe even third behind TJ Hawkinson. Gallup is certainly third behind Amari Cooper, behind CeeDee Lamb. It's still going to be Edelman for me. I don't feel great about it, but I'm still going to continue going back to him based on the target volume alone. What do you make of this situation? Yeah, six targets in every single game for Julian Edelman, especially at the beginning of the year. They were backed by a lot of air yards. I know the past two games haven't been as much. Maybe just an entire product of their offense not being able to get much going. Does that happen this week? Not entirely sure, but we fall back on volume again. Julian Edelman is still getting a lot of volume, and we lean on that. And he's good. His quarterback can be good. I'm not sure if it'll be an every week thing. Like Cam Newton's looked good versus Seattle, didn't have to do anything versus Miami. Wasn't good versus Denver, so not a great sample on him, but the potential is there. The potential is absolutely COVID, there. Man. That's true. That's true. He's probably coming out there coughing a little bit. Ugh, can't find the can't find the right read. It's like, where's the right guy? I can't find him. He'll get better eventually, I hope, because I have a lot of Cam Newton. I honestly do wonder like what the COVID absences are going to do to players that just have to go through the Zoom meetings. I uh, This is something I don't know the answer to, just speculation. I, I do wonder how that affects players and Maybe if it's similar to the bye week where we see a lot of volatility when players return. Next one, we have a, a pair of questions. First one's at the running back position. It's start one of Antonio Gibson, David Johnson, and James Robinson. For me, this might be a little surprising, but it's David Johnson. And it's partially, I'm going to rule out Antonio Gibson right away. We have two bell cow backs and David Johnson and James Robinson. Are their roles very different? No, not really. They're both handling a majority of the work. Are they both underdogs? Yes. Is one of them in a better matchup? Yes. And it's David Johnson against the Packers, who've been allowing a bottom 10 mark in yards per carry to opposing rushers. We also, you mentioned this statistic where David Johnson's running a majority of the time on all of the pass routes. I know James Robinson is very active as a pass catcher too, but they're going against the, the Chargers there. I think in two bad matchups with two bell cow backs, I'm going to nitpick a little bit and pick the guy in the better spot. So David Johnson, for me, what about you? Yeah, I agree. David Johnson, these guys are seeing almost the same role. I still believe David Johnson is getting more work. And we know in terms of the routes he's running and the route share he has, he's actually getting a bit more work as a pass catcher, at least used as a receiver. So when their roles are essentially the same, we'll give David Johnson a slight edge. You look at the game environment and the Houston offense is simply better than the Jacksonville offense. James Robinson, certainly not a bad play by any means, but when two guys are the same volume or very similar volume, I will side with the team who I think is going to put up more points, and that is undoubtedly Houston this week. Agreed. We have a bench one of these four. So we're going to bench either Chris Godwin, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, or Kenny Galladay. You might have your decision made decision made for you. A.J. Brown mispracticed yesterday after he practiced on Wednesday, so he was downgraded midweek. Obviously, if A.J. Brown's out, he's the answer. I think if all of these guys are playing – I'm going to bench A.J. Brown either way. And it's because of the volatility in that Titans offense. We know they want to run the ball. Allen, Keenan Allen, he's a locked-in target share. Chris Godwin, love his role with Tampa. Galladay's the alpha in Detroit. I mean, what a great problem for you, Alfred, having all four of those receivers on the same team. Who would you bench out of Chris Godwin, Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, and Kenny Galladay? Yeah, I think these guys all fall very similarly in that range of either a ton of targets with lower A dots or – Fewer targets, like not 40 targets in three games like Keenan Allen, but Kenny Galladay is going to run down the field and rack up the air yard. So they're all different forms of some alpha receiver. The same can be said for A.J. Brown, but A.J. Brown plays on the team that most wants to run their offense through a running back. So for that reason, I will give him the the edge in terms of benching him, essentially. Good problem to have, though. And you do have to – I think you probably do factor in a little bit of injury risk with him that even if he plays, like we saw what we talked about earlier, John Brown comes out. I think, oh, what a great play in DFS – gets four targets, doesn't catch any of them. Turns out he was far less than 100%. That could happen this week with A.J. Brown. So great problem to have yourself in. I'll be cautious and sit A.J. Brown this week. I'm with you. Well, we have some trolling in the chat. that Someone asked, my, my friend Steve asks, should we, we start Randall Cobb or Juju Smith-Schuster? And joke's on you, Steve. I actually think this is a legitimate question at this point. Yeah, that's not trolling. <laughs> That's I honestly am not sure if Juju Smith-Schuster deserves to be started over Randall Cobb at this point. Like this was actually on our topical sheet and the questions have been so good. Thank you guys for all of the questions. We appreciate them very much and love answering them. So keep, keep them coming. Thank you so much. We also have a sheet, just topical stuff in case they don't run in as fast. And one of them was 
do we just bench Juju Smith-Schuster at this point? And I mean, if you're making the decision, we even have to ask the question, Randall Cobb versus Juju Smith-Schuster tells you how bad it's gotten. Houston's in a good game environment, man. Like, I don't hate sitting Juju for Randall Cobb. Am I crazy? No, I saw that. I really had to think about it. And at this point, is there any difference? It's just a number three slot receiver on one team versus a number three slot receiver on another team. Like these are guys who I have no faith that Juju is anything other than the third or fourth option on any given play behind Chase Claypool, behind Deontay Johnson. I certainly feel the same way about Randall Cobb, but I think I like the game environment better. A trailing Deshaun Watson facing the Packers versus versus Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. It's close. I'm going to give the lean to Randall Cobb and oh, it feels disgusting because <laughs> I have like so much juju in basketball, so much of him in dynasty and uh, it hurts, but we have to go with what the numbers are. Juju has been out targeted in individual games by Eric Ebron, James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and I think maybe even James Conner at one point. It is just, uh, it is tough scenes for, for my dynasty love Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, so the hypothetical in this situation was Randall Cobb versus Juju. But the main takeaway here is if you spent a second round pick and you're still holding on to Juju Smith-Schuster and plugging him into your starting lineup, take a little stroll over to the waiver wire, see what you can draw, because I think there's some guys in some spots you might want to consider over him. Another question from the chat. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From Josh, Christian Kirk or Justin Jackson? It's pretty clearly Justin Jackson for me. Not only a fantastic match, but with this Chargers team running so many plays, I think Kelly and Jackson get a decent amount of run with Jackson functioning as the 1A to Kelly's 1B. All right, Christian Kirk or Justin Jackson? Yeah, Christian Kirk saw three targets. Last, like, Christian Kirk saw three targets last week. Justin Justin Jackson saw six targets last time we saw him. It was two weeks ago. And you get an extra 15 carries. Quite clearly, Justin Jackson. Yeah, I think so too. We, we have another Justin Jackson hypothetical. It's Justin Jackson, Antonio Gibson, or T. Higgins. This one's closer. I do think T Higgins deserves to be in the conversation, but I still would go Justin Jackson in the situation for all the reasons just mentioned. Any difference for you? No, I think we're like you tout Antonio Gibson as a pass catching back is why you would be excited about him. Justin Jackson saw six targets last week and Antonio Gibson is still getting out targeted by JD McKissick. So yeah, I think you just gain more volume. T Higgins, an interesting question. I just like the, the overall median and floor projection I get by playing a running back who we can like, Last time we saw him, we got 21 opportunities. So I'll go with Jackson over Gibson and over Higgins here. There's a question from the chat regarding the Cincinnati situation. Any love for Travion Williams? Um, uh, the main question is, do we think Geo seeds any work to Travion Williams? My first instinct is to say no. I don't really have anything to back this up other than the fact that Travion Williams hasn't really seen any work this year. It's basically just been Mixon. It's just been Bernard. So that would be my lean. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, Trevion Williams is, uh, has he? I think he might have been inactive for almost every game this week, this season, if not every game. I know I've seen him pop up as an inactive multiple times. He was really good in college. He had like a 2,000-yard season, I believe. He was like one of these, like, I think it was like one-hit wonder, just like, I don't know, played on an efficient offense, so it's probably not incredibly difficult for him to do it. And then the NFL, like, kind of affirms that we should have been skeptical skeptical of him because he doesn't get any reps in the NFL. So no, it doesn't seem awfully likely. I think in the deepest of leagues or specifically dynasty leagues, sure, you can stash him, but you're not playing him this week. And at best you're picking him up this week on the off chance he gets some work and then maybe you try and flip him, but he's a fringe roster worthy player on really deep teams. And that's about it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think he's just a wait and see guy at this point. Plus we don't know how long Mixon's going to be out. Um, before we move on, guys, um, check out Osmo.com for a lot of reasons. One being we have a ton, a ton of free content every single day. And today we have NFL top plays, MLB lineup builder, MMA fighter projections free. We also have a fantastic odd shopper tool. This one's ridiculous. When was the last time you made a big purchase without first shopping around first to see the best prices possible? Bookmakers and betting sites don't offer all the same odds. 
and lines in the same betting markets. Just as prices can vary from one real t- retailer to another, prices can vary from one bookmaker to another. And that's why odd shopping is such an important part of building your bankroll. Why wouldn't you want to get the best price for your bets? Head over to Awesome Odd Shopper to browse a number of the top books and find the best bets at the right price. That's oddshopper.awesomeo.com. You can sign up to track your bets for free, get alerts when your bets hit a certain price. And again, all of that is free. It's a ridiculous tool. One thing that I really like to do, you can legitimately go into this tool, type in a player's name and see all of their player props across all of the books. And as someone who likes to bet a lot of player props and actually uses these a little bit for fantasy, which it can be a tool to do so, go over and see as a tiebreaker, you know, is T Higgins projected for more receiving yardage than AJ Green? That's a great way to decide a tie in your seasonal projections. But not only that, just shopping for lines, I no longer have to go to 75 books and find the best the best line. So this is a tool that I personally back and I use all the time. Love the odd shopper tool at Osmo.com. All right. So one question I have for you, Kyle. Sammy Watkins, it looks like he's going to miss this game. This is tentatively. If we're going to the waiver wire, you know, maybe you're a Michael Thomas owner. You don't have any options. Is there somebody you prefer to pick up? I mean, obviously, if Giovanni Bernard is available right now, it's certainly going to be Giovanni Bernard. But say Giovanni Bernard's owned or he already got scooped. If we're looking to start someone, spot start someone, are you looking to someone like Demarcus Robinson? Or is there someone else you potentially think could fill a larger role this weekend as a spot starter? Yeah, I don't mind the upside of Demarcus Robinson. And it seems fairly obvious that Mikael Hardman is just like an ancillary receiver and a special teams player. Maybe if Tyreek Hill were to get injured, that's the role he could take over because he does, if he profiles like any of their receivers, he does profile more like Tyreek Hill than Sammy Watkins. But yeah, Demarcus Robinson clearly running as the number two pass catching or number two receiver, not pass catching option. He's probably third or fourth in that pecking order. The game isn't great because I don't expect Denver to put up much of a fight. But even if it's just four or five targets from Patrick Mahomes as opposed to six or seven in a, in a more explosive game environment, four or five targets from Patrick Mahomes is four or five targets from Patrick Mahomes. I think that is still worth chasing on the waiver wire, assuming like Geo isn't available, assuming Justin Jackson isn't available. I know heading into la, to this week, he was less than less than half owned in across all leagues, probably changed after waiver wires run. So he's a guy I'd look to add. Geo, obviously you can add, but I would take him over some of our more speculative, like Chase Edmonds style plays. Like you're probably getting similar work in terms of receptions, but they're farther downfield and the targets come from Patrick Mahomes. So I think he's probably one of the better receiver ads. I don't know if any, like Traquan Smith could still be around there. He probably runs behind. I mean, he almost certainly runs behind Emmanuel Sanders, but Decent game environment for them. I think it's worth it's worth looking at. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Still getting a couple questions rolling through the chat. Again, guys, keep them coming. Kyle and I will answer each and every one of them. We greatly appreciate it. We have Henry Ruggs, Michael Gallup, or Geo in the flex. Common trend of this show, it's going to be Geo for me again. I do think Ruggs is interesting because of the role he plays in this Las Vegas offense. And I think getting a week off of Ruggs probably can't be overstated. Yeah. He was... It looked, I mean, week one, far and away, the number one receiver for this team gets banged up. And even in the most recent game, he has the massive performance because he catches what that touchdown was 80 yards. Yeah, it was, it was two of three targets and goes over 100 yards, which is just sick. Yeah, so that's exactly it. He only has three targets and he still clearly looks limited in the offense. I think it's more of a conversation with Ruggs and I do like him going forward, but it's still Geo. Again, Kyle, your choices are Ruggs, Gallup or Geo in the flex. Yeah, it's clearly Geo. I think the the more interesting conversation is do you would you start someone like Ruggs over Gallup? And I say yes, because I think it's much like like Fulgham, like Claypool, where when you see these guys who like do have some reason to be on the field, especially Claypool and Ruggs who have the draft capital, Fulgham mostly just has to be there. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. When these guys go out and ball out to the extent that they do, what are you gonna do? Say your role remains limited on this offense? No, Henry Ruggs, a first round pick and the first overall receiver taken. If you see him go out and ball out, I don't care if you say he doesn't know the entire route tree yet or he doesn't understand all the offensive concept. You can't put him back on the bench. So versus Gallup, yeah, I'd absolutely take Henry Ruggs. I think we continue to see his target share climb. And with those targets come a ton of air yards. Derek Carr has looked quietly very good this season too. Like finally you give this guy a full load out of weapons. He's not half bad. So I would take him over Gallup. Still roll with Geo for this week though. Agreed. Geo's the play. Uh, Kyle, you knew this question was coming. 
our resident ageist at awesomeo.com. Um, what do we do with AJ Green? He has one target two weeks ago, comes back for 11 this past week. I know uh, you're not so fond of AJ Green this year, but 11 targets. I mean, that was more than T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Is AJ Green back? It's definitely not back, back, but I think this is a reminder that they're not literally benching him, which, like, I, I probably at some point argued, like, you should just cut him. You shouldn't, you should, as an NFL team, you shouldn't want AJ Green anymore. They're not going to bench him. I still think he runs as a mix some weeks ahead of and some weeks behind T. Higgins based on the coverage they see, the offense they scheme up. So it's extremely volatile week to week. Do I think when we talk about, like, are you picking up Demarcus Robinson? Should you play, like, Traquan Smith? He probably slots in, like, just ahead of those guys simply because his offense is attempting more passes than I believe any other offense outside of Dallas. They're top 10 in pass percentage. And that is even, like, even in the games where they played close, like they did with uh, Philly, I believe, they still pass a ton. It's just simply their philosophy to let Joe Burrow completely uncork it. So, He's probably a wide receiver floor for deep flex option, but we're getting into bye weeks. We're getting into injuries. Those are the guys you have to dip into. So I've, I've talked about benching pretty much at every point this season. I still think you should make your efforts to bench AJ green, but you might not have a choice. I would put him at like, I don't know, deep wide receiver four territory. Yeah. I think you can play him if you're a little bit desperate. Uh, I think some more funny trolling Giovanni Bernard, sneaky value. Yeah. Giovanni Bernard is definitely a sneaky value. Um, let's continue on the streamer talk for a bit here. We hit on Demarcus Robinson. I think there's a couple other interesting names if we get some injury situations already this week. You know, I think Marcus Valdez-Scanling, who's available on a lot of waiver wires, he's interesting as a potential streamer this week. And then someone I want to bring up is Gabriel Davis. And this is just, John Brown clearly is not healthy. Are you willing to take a stab on a guy like Gabriel Davis? I mean, I'm seriously considering these receivers over Juju Smith-Schuster. Is that crazy, and is there one you prefer? Yeah, I would say Gabriel Davis probably not as much because he probably still gets fewer targets than Stephon Diggs, fewer targets than Cole Beasley, and on on a team that is probably just going to slaughter the Jets, if they're not passing in the second half, that could result in three or four targets. I do think like he's more of an interesting conversation when you talk about like the value of DFS play than simply adding him off the waiver wire. I, I guess I'd still take Juju Smith-Schuster over him. Oh man, what a what a place we've come to. And I would still take like AJ Green and Demarcus Robinson over him. Probably worth more of a speculative ad than he is a guy you're starting. And who else were we talking about here? MVS. Oh God, MVS. You start him everywhere. He's like a wide receiver, I don't know, eight, seven on the week. He's so good. No, I mean, the air yards he's getting is incredible. And has he connected on them? No, of course he hasn't connected on them. He's just Marquez Vada Scantling. But we saw last week he had an absolute dud, still made the Millie Maker winning lineup. <laughs> somehow because he got like six points but he has an absolute dud i don't think we see anything like we saw last week from aaron Rodgers in this offense aaron Rodgers intercepted twice almost both of them went for touchdowns on the other direction like truly a 0.1 percent outcome for aaron Rodgers in the style he plays not getting intercepted to almost throw two pick sixes this game environment sets up to be incredibly advantageous not only for the obvious you know aaron Rodgers, will fuller you know aaron jones for the ancillary pieces. That's why we talked about playing Randall Cobb. That's why we're going to talk about playing Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like a 57-point total. These are quite rare, exceedingly rare. If this comes even close to that, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has a good chance at either finding a long catch or getting in the end zone. So, yeah, I actually think I'd probably take him over A.J. Green this week. I'd take him over to Marcus Robinson, Traquan Smith, Gabriel Davis, Marvin Jones, trying to think of all the guys that we fringe talk about. Juju Smith-Schuster, take him over him. Yeah, he probably slots him more as like a low-end wide receiver three, and these guys I've talked about are more in the four or five range. Yeah, and I think we have to ask this question because he was available on more than 50% of waiver wires as early as Monday when you and I did the waiver show. So, yeah. like, this dude was widely available, and he's easily startable. And if you're making some tough decisions and you have some guys that have underperformed on your lineup, I think you pull the trigger. I think you do it. Now, as far as some other situations, like – until we got the geo news, like literally 30 seconds before the stream started, one of the main topics I wanted to ask you about was the San Francisco backfield. And I think we can clearly say that Jarek McKinnon is a starting value player. My main question behind him was what do we make of this Jamichael hasty character? And are you willing to take stabs on him in the flex? I'm not sure teams will have to as much now that this value is opened up, even in seasonal leagues. Like we just had a player widely available on waivers become a starting running back, but in the event that someone does have to make this decision, what do you think happens with the San Francisco backfield this week? 
No, I think we still see Jared McKinnon crowd out enough of the work that no other running back becomes valuable, whether it be Jeff Wilson or Jamichael Hayes. He like, like I don't really care which one ends it ends up being. We saw, I believe it was in their game versus the Eagles. It was pretty clearly the Jarek McKinnon show. The week before that, Jarek McKinnon actually left what I think was a rib injury, and we saw a decent amount of Jeff Wilson. He ended up scoring twice in that game. Then they come back with Jarek McKinnon, and he ends up just operating clearly as the guy. Yeah, he gets 14 carries, and Jeff Wilson got three. And they have chosen to play Jeff Wilson over Jamichael Hasty. If Jeff Wilson doesn't play, we have a lesser Jamichael Hasty, at least in the team's eyes. Does he get any carries? I don't know. I'm definitely, definitely not playing him. And Jared Ginnon probably slots in as somewhere between I, maybe the only reason you wouldn't be excited is because it's not a great matchup either versus New England, New England defense or more specifically, the total of the game doesn't look like a great shootout. Like we talk about David Johnson being washed and not caring. So there should be a lot of points. Jared McKinnon probably more talented, but there are just going to be fewer points in this game versus New England. I still think he ends up slotting in as probably a high-end RB2 because we saw it. When he's healthy, they're going to choose to play him over Jeff Wilson and over probably Jamichael Hasty, who's hardly ever active. They're going to clearly choose to play him over those guys, and he has a lot of equity as a pass catcher. Very clearly, I think Jarek McKinnon has like RB1 upside this week and probably slots in as a solid floor RB2 play. Yeah, I think you're playing McKinnon, certainly, if you have him. I just wanted to get your take on what you thought of Hasty, if he might be flex-viable. I do... I started Jeff Wilson the day he locked into a touchdown. So, man, I wouldn't feel great about it, but I'm sure there's some teams that have to. I mean, if we're looking, comparing him to teams on the waiver wire or other players in the waiver wire, uh, man, I think he's probably in that Chase Edmonds range. Yes. What do you make of that? I would say he's even below that Chase Edmonds range, but it's fine to group these players together, players who – tentatively could have some potential upside in a role because we saw a few weeks ago Jeff Wilson got some run and whether it's Jeff Wilson or Jamichael Hasty, one of them could step into the 1B role. I think it's more than likely just simply a number two role. So Chase Edmonds definitely gets priority over him. It's more like the Tony Pollard range where like Zeke does something stupid and fumbles. We'll see like a full drive of Tony Pollard and he's good. But I think that's like the only chance we see a ton of Tony Pollard. And I think that's similarly of Jamichael Hasty. Sure, if Jerk McKinnon goes out and gets injured again, which he does a lot. We could see a decent amount of him, but our median projection has to be that he doesn't see enough work to be a real viable candidate for even like deep flex plays. Yeah, I think so too. We have about a hundred of you in the stream, guys. Thank you guys so much for being here. Hit that thumbs up button. It is the best way to support Kyle, myself, and the entire awesome team. Today's show, of course, is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. All right. Someone answer. Who gets the better deal out of this trade? DK Metcalf for Calvin Ridley and Mike Davis. Okay, so I'm guessing... Mike Davis is part of this equation because he's an expiring asset at some point. Christian McCaffrey will be back. So it's essentially a one-for-one deal for me. DK Metcalf for Calvin Ridley. I slightly prefer Calvin Ridley. Who do you take in this situation? Yeah, I give the most modest of leans to Calvin Ridley, but I actually I actually have like a decent amount of faith in Mike Davis getting one to two more starts, and I think those are RB1 starts. So I think that is the tiebreaker for me. We saw that Christian McCaffrey was on pay was like the initial projection was that he would have come back like last week or this week. And now they said, well, he's probably still out another week or two. Week eight looks like a potential return for him. This is like the same scenario with Austin Eckler, who the team keeps pushing back and pushing back his return date. That's not good. It's the same scenario with Michael Thomas where things keep coming up. I get more and more nervous every time like we say, oh, well, he could return week eight. Well, now it looks more like week nine. I'm not sure we see Christian McCaffrey in the next two weeks. That's it. I do think in three or four weeks we should be seeing him. That's two RB1 weeks from Mike Davis. At least that's the projection for now. So I'm actually going to give the lean to the – what it was Mike Davis and DK Metcalf for Calvin Ridley, right? It's the opposite. It's Calvin Ridley and oh, Mike oh, Davis for oh, DK Metcalf. Oh, take the Calvin Ridley side and run with it then for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a tough deal. If you were just doing Metcalf or Ridley straight up, I'd still prefer Ridley slightly a target slightly. volume. DK Metcalf obviously is going to have amazing games, but he comes with the built-in target fragility just because Seattle's not a fast team. They're passing more than they typically do in normal seasons, but it's still a fairly balanced team overall. So that that's the way I'll lean. Give me Calvin Ridley just ever so slightly. Sticking with the streamer conversation, I want to touch on a position that people are streaming widely in seasonal leagues. And we've seen the tight end position continually disappoint. 
this week there's people having to fill in for Zach Ertz. I mean, if even if Zach Ertz was healthy, I think maybe you should have been considering a fill in either way. But yeah, Evan Ingram, someone that we saw really disappoint last night. I mean, he had a better game, but drops a couple passes. There are tight ends that are wildly disappointing this year, but there's some that are available on waivers that I think you could go out and potentially start. One of them is Darren Fells. It does not look like we're getting back Jordan Akins this week. Jordan Akins had been dealing with a concussion. I think it kind of flew under the radar that he also had a high ankle sprain. Yeah. Found that out a couple of days ago, and apparently it's really limiting Jordan Akins. So I think Darren Fells, if he's going to function as the number one tight end in this Texans offense, quietly in, in an, an amazing matchup, I think he is start worthy and I would prefer him over the likes of Tyler Higby. I think there's a conversation to be had with guys like, like Hawkinson because he's playing a similar role. What do you make of Darren Fells? Yeah. Darren Fells is like, I think when we look at tight end streamers, a lot of what we're doing, because if you're playing in a sharp league, most of the good tight ends are taken. Like people have snapped up guys like Robert Tunyon and even Jimmy Graham to an extent a long time ago. You're just trying to get some chance of like a few targets and specifically a touchdown because that can be the great equalizer. Whereas like if someone picked up Jimmy Graham or Robert Tanyan, they have a good projection, but it's not perfect. Darren Fells can equalize that with a touchdown. He's played on over 80% or at least 80% of the overall snaps in three consecutive weeks. The past two weeks have been 86 and 94%. He is not only in every pass catching down, he's just an every single down tight end for this team. And it's a team that we've talked about it, you know, a ton this week or the show at least that uh, the game environment looks great. They'll be trailing, so you expect a lot of pass attempts. If you're getting a lot of Deshaun Watson pass attempts in a game that should feature a ton of points and you are the every down tight end, yeah, Darren Bells probably has the best the best touchdown projection of any possible tight end you can find on waiver wires of free agency and probably better than some of the starting guys too, like better than obviously like we saw with Evan Ingram. Like these guys who play on bad offenses, at least you get like Darren Fells on an incredible offense this week. Yeah, I think so, too. There's a couple questions in chat regarding Darren Fells. Darren Fells or Richard Rodgers? And for me, it's Darren Fells. We don't know how long Zach Ertz is going to be out. They have not put him on injured reserve, right? Um, uh, No, I, I don't know if they put him on injured reserve or not. I think they did. And I think we saw most recently that the, the prognosis changed from three to four weeks to more like four to five weeks. And okay. because that's changing, it means it could change again. So we don't know that much. But the initial prognosis was three to four weeks. I'm fairly certain they put him on injured reserve after waiting a few days or something. And then they kind of up that prognosis to four to five weeks. And he's also like terrible anyways. So, <laughs> okay. Okay. That that's, <laughs> that's fair enough. Um, so with Richard Rogers, you have to worry about Ertz. You have to worry about Goddard and the prognosis on Goddard is he's planning to return after the team's week yes. nine by. So you're getting about three weeks of Richard Rogers as the starting tight end. That's valuable. Now, Darren Fells, we have kind of an unknown timetable with Jordan Akins. Jordan Akins is dealing with a high ankle sprain, and we know he hasn't practiced yet. For that reason, I think Darren Fells gets a game or two, if not more, as the team's full-time starting tight end in an efficient offense. Philly obviously has plenty of efficiency problems, so I'm still going to take Darren Fells in that situation. And then if Darren Fells ends up being relegated to a timeshare tight end or whatever happens when Akins returns, I'll just play the waiver wire rather than take Richard Rodgers for that extra week. Thoughts, Kyle? Yeah, well, what we had Richard Rogers play last night. So are we talking about getting him for next week? And you said they have a week nine by to be correct. This uh, assuming the, just looking at the question, I'm assuming moving forward, like rest of season, Darren Fells or Richard Rogers, or yeah, for you, at least well, the next couple weeks. Yeah, you said week uh, week nine, right? Goddard, they have a week nine by. So Goddard's planning to come back after that. Yeah, so that means you get week eight, essentially. It's one week. You probably have a very similar terms of like Jordan Aikens returning versus Dallas Goddard returning. You're probably getting almost the exact same amount of starting weeks, potentially. And I'm just going to tie myself to Deshaun Watson when I have that choice. Yeah, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, we have another Darren Fells question for this week. Darren Fells versus Hunter Henry. It's still going to be Hunter Henry for me. We We talked about the amazing environment for this Chargers team. It's, it's Henry for me. Any qualms? Yeah, let's not get over our skis here. Henry, Henry's still getting a ton of targets from a quarterback who not maybe not as good as Deshaun Watson. I don't know, though. Maybe. Like, he's looked quite well in his own right. And the matchup this week is just, like, anyone can go out and shred Jacksonville. So I'm going to go with Hunter Henry still, like, relying on our priors. If we have a small sample of Darren Fells getting a lot of work, larger sample of Hunter Henry getting a lot of work, and the quarterback situation isn't that far off where, like, probably is more far off with Carson Wentz versus Deshaun Watson. 
Okay, so Jeremiah Johnson says in the chat, what about Njoku for the next couple of weeks with Hooper out? I uh, clarified Austin Hooper's status. All I could see is that he missed practice today and he hasn't been on the injury report this week. So basically what I'm seeing is that he's either out for personal reasons or we're going to see an injury pop up on the report later. Jeremiah, do you have a report that states Austin Hooper is clearly out this week and moving forward? I I haven't. I just just looked it up on Twitter. Uh, Supposedly, I have no clue how long this would be. Uh, Jake Trotter reports Austin Hooper has appendicitis and is having surgery today. I have no clue how long an appendicitis surgery is, though, because like Buda Baker got surgery on some part of his body that kept him out for like a week. And he chose his hand. It was his hand. I mean, I think he clubbed up. Oh, sick. But like he even chose to like delay the surgery and then have it later. So I think everything is different. I know like meniscus repairs can be like only two to three weeks as well. So I have no clue how long appendicitis will be. Okay. Well, let's talk this week specifically and we can parlay this a little bit into the future. David Njoku is in line to see some volume. Now, what do you make of David Njoku and where would he kind of slot into this target pecking order for the tight end position? Let's compare him to Richard Rogers and Darren Fells. Where would you rank David Njoku among those? I would still take him behind those guys because although I do think he probably takes on a pretty massive role in terms of within the context of the offense, but when you adjust for that, how many how many targets is that behind Odell Beckham, probably still behind Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, a talented pass catcher in his own right, and a team that doesn't want to throw the football like at all if they have their way. So I don't think he's a terrible play by any means. I think he's incredibly talented. I love him coming out of college. And it was either week one, I think it was week one, where he ended up having a big game because he scored on a on an interesting red zone or an interesting goal line look where they had like a three tight end set and had another long catch. He has talent. It's just, will he get the chance to use it? I'm not sure they throw to him more than three or four times in this game. So I'm still going to take just the better passing offenses specifically in like Hunter Henry and Darren Fells. Those two, I guess those two are the ones we've been talking about most recently. Yeah, I would rank, if I were to do just a quick little ranking of some of these tight ends, I would certainly prefer Hunter Henry 1, Darren Fells 2, and Joku 3, and then like moving forward, if we're talking about next week too, I would put Richard Rodgers behind all of them. Let's see here. Daryl Henderson or Philip Lindsay? Okay, so Daryl Henderson popped up on the injury report. This is something we have to monitor. It's doesn't appear to be significant. We'll we'll find out that today when the Rams practice, if we can see Henderson get in a limited session or something like that. But in the event that Henderson plays, I think it's pretty clearly him. Philip Lindsay, just on one of the most inefficient offenses in all of football. Get, give me Henderson in that situation. What do you make of this, Kyle? Yeah, I agree. The Rams offense, although they have really, really been tricky with how they've chosen to use the running backs and it's been a killer for fantasy. I think if they have their way, it has been since week one, it's been like, three or four weeks of basically like one week of Malcolm Brown, but Daryl Henderson pretty much the rest of the way. It seems like if they have their way, Daryl Henderson is going to be the first and second down back. I think Sean McVay talking about using Malcolm Brown of all players as their third down back, probably because he's just a good pass blocker though. I wouldn't imagine like he's not a good receiver. So I think we see a lot of work in Daryl Henderson as long as he's healthy. And as long as Sean McVay doesn't get on some BS, which he has a tendency to do, but right now our prior should be that they're going to use Daryl Henderson a lot. So I'll stick with him. Okay, follow-up question. Daryl Henderson versus Jack McKinnon. Oh, no, we go with Jack McKinnon here. I can't handle this Sean McVay BS. I talked about being able to handle <laughs> it versus Philip Lindsay. I can't handle it when I actually don't think there's really any scenario that Jack McKinnon doesn't get the same workload. Like, your your projection for these guys in the median should be that they get the same workload, but the floor could absolutely fall out on Daryl Henderson where barring like an injury, which like I'm assuming Daryl Henderson doesn't go in injured. I'm just saying like he makes one mistake and he could get benched from Malcolm Brown. They're not doing that to Jared McKinnon. We've seen what they want to do with him when Mostert and Coleman are out. Their projection should be the same, but the floor in one of these guys is just straight up like getting benched or zeroed, whereas Jared McKinnon just does not have that floor. All right, we'll close on this. Who do you like in the Chargers' backfield and why? Justin Jackson, we saw like their choice was to give him more carries and more targets. Maybe that's the more important thing. He outcarried 15 to 11 Joshua Kelly. Four more carries at the end of the day is worth, I don't know, like a fantasy point or two, but six targets to, I believe, one target for Joshua Kelly. That is what I want to focus on is getting those targets. If they're going to be in a even close to competitive game, Justin Jackson gets the targets. And if they blow him out, we still saw him get more carries. So Justin Jackson, based on the team's actions alone. I will say this. I think both are viable. I am certainly in agreement with you that Justin Jackson is the preferred option. 
But Joshua Kelly has touch counts of 12 in each of his last two weeks. They're playing the Jaguars, and they project as over-touchdown favorites. They're running so many plays that we typically see the running backs in total handle between 30 and 35 carries per game. If Justin Jackson gets 20, that still leaves a lot for Joshua Kelly to assume on his own. If you were debating playing Joshua Kelly in the flex, don't sit him solely because Justin Jackson is the better play. Joshua Kelly is still very much in play himself, in my opinion. What do you make of that? Still like yeah, Joshua I, Kelly's a flex? Yep, I absolutely agree. Like we saw last week, you know, double-digit carries is enough. Like we're talking about playing like Chase Edmonds and Tony Pollard. I take him ahead of all of these guys because there is a role for him on the team. I don't think we see Justin Jackson take, you know, 80 90% of the carries. It's probably more like 60-40 or whatever. And on a team that plays fast, should have a massive lead, the, the 1B option is still absolutely viable on the flex. Makes sense. All right, coming up later today, MLB live before lock, 6.15 Eastern time. Make sure you check that out for some playoff baseball DFS. Also, if you miss these shows live, make sure to check out the Osmo Podcast Network. You can catch all of these shows on playback. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Of course, I am Matt Kajeski. He is Kyle Dvorak. I'm on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. He is at Kyle Tweets here. We will be back again next week. Same time, same place for the week eight start sit show. Good luck, guys. We'll see you again next time.